All right, Mark. So here's part two of our podcast that we had to kind of cut short last time due to connectivity issues. Um, we were referencing time and consciousness. We were talking about paranormal oh activity. I know, right? <laughs> of all things to just jump right into. <laughs> um, you explained to me in the last podcast that uh, you have had some experiences which kind of showed you some different things about possibilities of dimensions and that there's paranormal activity probably and then we started diving into time and how you noted um so time and consciousness and then a necessary component for time is consciousness that was the last kind of point that we talked about so why is that a thing why is time and consciousness you know mutually inclusive let me let me revise that a little bit because I'm out of my depth for sure, right? Like if you could have brought in a, a guy who understands or a woman who understands quantum mechanics, uh, that would have been better. Well, no, no, uh, I, I, I need try, somebody right? like you. You know, I need somebody like you who started to scratch the surface because quantum mechanics, the quantum realm, all that is just it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, me too. I can't quite get there. So, um, but I guess I guess what it, what it seems like is the way that we experience time. Um, and because it's obviously the way we're experiencing it is not, um, it's, it's related to consciousness in that, uh, time is not a fixed thing. So if you travel far enough, fast enough, you, you change time. We experience it in roughly the same way, as far as I know, due to our consciousness, but, um, it's not, it's not the, um, sort of. Uh, fixed thing that we think it is. So, you know, they talk about the time space continuum and that's, that's that idea, right? Like that if you, if you're moving fast enough, you warp time a bit. Mm. And so you can, you can measure that. And they, they have measured that, you know, you put a, put a clock on a plane flying really fast around the world and it's going to be off by a little bit um, from the atomic clock on the ground when it gets back. Yeah. And, the idea being that um, time and space are inextricably linked. So our experience of time seems to be um, linked to our consciousness in that there is no one experience of time. I mean, whether it exists or not outside of our consciousness is kind of an unknown. We experience it the way we do because our, our minds work the way they do. And so without hmm. that component, um, and, you know, even this, I mean, we could break it down further if you're, you know, time flies when you're having fun, right? So we experience it differently depending on the number of things we're fitting into a period of time. Um, it's just not, it's not even fixed within our experience, let alone if you travel really, really fast. <laughs> so um, the idea that we're going from point A to point B in time and that's just happening and it's just going to happen. Um really has to do with our consciousness because it's hard to pin down time in the, in any kind of real um, scientific way, Uh, except to say that you'll, you'll warp time a certain amount if you're traveling fast enough. Um, Okay. I'm, I'm, this is, this is a weak point for me. It's <laughs> a weak point for me. I mean, that's that's the it's a weak point for your show right now. Yeah, so. that's good. Well, that's the whole point. Like that, that's we're good gonna because, dig into it. 
No, that's good like because normal like, people. Yeah. Yeah. These are things that <laughs> I want to know more about. And so diving into these type of topics where I'm extremely weak, you know, we talk about, we talk about health, we talk about uh, public health and, you know, diseases and, you know, logical reasoning, all that stuff. That I'm, just I'm good makes at. sense, right? Yeah. I'm pretty good yeah. at you know, diving deep into that because it's, it's an area of expertise for, for the most part for me, but this here's, is, here's what I like about consciousness and the okay. idea of consciousness and the paranormal and all that. Um, once again, like I'm, I'm probably repeating myself because it's been a while since we last. No, we, we need to do it anyway. Like, we, days, I need you right? to repeat yourself. Okay, good. Um, it's all about awe and wonder. So that's, that's what, that's why I'm interested in psychedelic research because the more we experience awe and wonder and curiosity um, and feel like we're part of something bigger the better off we are psychologically and the better off we are in the world, the less likely fascism is to take hold. Basically, if mm. we, if we, if we experience a world um, that is so much broader than just um, collecting everything you can and being powerful in that way, um, then we're less likely to get caught up in these stupid ideas of oppressing other people, which is what we, you know, human beings, that's our thing. Right. Mm. So, um, that's my excuse for paying attention to this. Maybe it's just cause I'm weird, but I like to, I like to pay attention to it. And then my excuse in psychology is awe and wonder are extremely healthy. Mm. Well, that's, um, isn't that kind of the age old question? You know, is there something beyond ourselves? Um, right. and that's the question that has kind of been categorized into the two groups of modern science. You know, are we looking at, um, a higher power or are we looking at something that just kind of happened? You know, did it happen by chance or was it created? And it's the creation and the versus evolution and evolution um, mm-hmm. backgrounds. And let's let's go into that. Okay, let's go, let's dig into that. Let's go. Because um, uh, are you are you uh, what what do you if you had to label yourself? Uh, are you an agnostic, atheist, uh, believer in some sort of? Definitely. Okay, so I, I grew up Christian. Um, uh-huh. And then I came to a point where like, I, I wanted to know if this is actually real. If, like if this is my family's thing or is this something that I believe in? Yeah. Then I went into a quote unquote age of discovery where I wanted to know logically and, and reasonably, is there something out there? Is there a higher power? Is Jesus real? Is God yeah. real? Yeah. Right. Um, and I couldn't get past it. Like I, I was at the point where like, okay, I'm ready to call it quits. I'm ready to just be done with everything. Jesus, everything, God, because mm-hmm. jumping into the EMS field in that world, it's not black and white. Like I was like, you know, you think about with typical religious circles and it's a very gray world right. out there. And we talked about that last yeah. time. And so it wasn't computing. And so that sparked those questions. Um, and the conclusion for now for quite a few years since that age of discovery for me is that there is something out there um, I can't that I can't get past. And so when I look at, and the, the one argument I can always boil it down to, because like you have thousands of different arguments that you can run with yeah, sure. evidence-based. Instead of just jumping into the evidence, which there is evidence for evolution and there is evolution, ev- evidence for creationism. Um, mm-hmm. So instead of having endless debates that get nobody anywhere, I try to boil it down to one argument. It's the idea of objective morality. And I've talked about this a lot of times on my previous shows with friends and other researchers, and I can't get past the idea that morality is objective, that there is some sort of standard that did come that was placed inside of humanity. Um, and that points me to a higher oh, that's power. that's interesting. So yeah. um, that higher power from there, it's like, okay, most people do agree that there is some sort of 
something there, right? Um, yeah. Past that point, as it tapers down, is where things get lost. And that's where you get the 15 different, 20 different religions um, and sure. interpretations of the evidence we see before us. For me, the only factor that plugs into the successfulness and awe and wonder of life is the idea of love. And love seems to be personified in one man named Jesus. Now, past that point, uh, church and religion has really screwed up a bunch of shit. <laughs> and that's my frustration. No argument. No so, argument with that. All that to say, objective morality led to God. God re- led me to what religion or what idea do I believe and interpret my outside world. The only factor that makes sense is love and the person that was only ability to personify love was Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's where I stand. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, th- thank you for uh, talking about that. I mean, it's not, it's not a simple question. So no, I really not. appreciate so, you. I am mean, kind of curious where you're at. Um, I'm very, very similar. I had a, uh, I was raised Pentecostal. So oh, okay. um, I had a time when I reacted against that, uh, which is similar to what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Which and, I think is uh, a, normal, a normal human condition, right? Yeah. Once, once you hit the point where you're like, Hey, none of this is making sense really. Mm-hmm. Um, the part that made sense was the experiential part. I knew what I felt. Yep. The part that yep. didn't make sense was the, the was the con- constructs and the words we tack onto that. Like, this is why you're having that experience, like yeah. the Jesus thing. And, uh, and then, you know, f- fundamentalist religions are a bit tricky mm-hmm. in that they're, uh, you <laughs> know, case in, it's hard to, it's hard to remove all the murder from the, you know, from the fundamentalist <laughs> religions. Um, and so, uh, I, it took a while. I became an atheist, right? Like there's no God, but that was, that was reactive. Um, maybe we now, can put a, put a na- the last nail in the coffin, coffin of atheism on this show today. Cause there, there's no, I mean, there are plenty of smart people who are atheists, but atheism's not a, it's not a philosophy. It's an anti-philosophy. You can't be an atheist unless somebody defines the God that you're going to not believe in. Right. Mm. You can say there's no God, but then the question is, well, what is there? Cause there's stuff, right? Like mm-hmm. that's the question is why is there something instead of nothing? And so if you're willing to define God broadly enough, um, then you can't, you can't dismiss the fact that there's stuff mm-hmm. that we exist I think, and that, uh, all this stuff exists. And if you're, if you're going to talk about it from a human centric standpoint, it's, you know, how did it get here? Um, so when I, um, really psychedelic research, um, broadly speaking has influenced my thoughts about that. I remember one time when, um, Cause I have reactions. I have all kinds of reactions. I have reactions to religion. I have reactions to, um, you know, I'm very liberal, but, uh, when I, sometimes when I hear liberals talk, I'm like wincing. Mm. Um, now when you say reactions, what do you mean? Uh, I don't, I don't want to hear people sitting around saying it's just love, man. That's all it is, you know, (laughs) cause that doesn't really do anything for the intellectual side of the argument, but yeah. Uh, but ultimately that, like, if you, if you're around people who do psychedelics or, or encourage, um, or, or go into, um, different methods of spiritual growth, whether it be, you know, meditation or, um, 
uh, holotropic breath work or uh, whatever, um, they always find things. They always find love mm. at the center of it. And um, so it's problematic for science that you can take five grams of dried mushrooms and counter love um, as a as a fundamental component of the universe um, and come back and say, I get it now, but I can't explain it to you. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm similar to you in that. I think, you know, Jesus is one symbol of love and it's, it's contained in his, in our uh, understandings of him. Uh, so are other, other saints. Um, uh, and, I think that love is a real thing and I think that it is fundamental, but I, I can't explain why, except well, because, that my experiences have, have taken me down that road. Yeah. And it's hard to like being an intellectual like you are. Um, and that's kind of where I lean towards as well. Uh, how do we, you know, how do we quantify these things that haven't been quantified? How, how there's no, Absolutely. you can't write this down on paper right now as a plus B equals C <laughs> it's Absolutely. just a feeling. It's a hormone. Um, if people want, but if people want evidence, it is reliable. Yes. So if people want evidence, um, they can work through, I mean, you know, it's what the, it's been written down through the centuries. If you want to, if you want to go toward understanding the nature of the universe in a, um, psycho-spiritual way, there are a lot of practices you can engage in that will enrich your understanding of it. It's, it's very lived experience, right? And I don't understand how that's not evidence if it's reliable across individuals. Hmm. So maybe, um, and I hesitate to say this because it's um, obnoxious in a way, but um, maybe if you haven't discovered what you're looking for, you haven't looked hard enough. Hmm. And that's very invalidating to people who feel like they have. So I'm not hmm. sure that that's true. But well, I know so that- it's yeah. interesting. Well, before I jump into that, this finish what you're saying with you know that what. Um, I cut you off. I apologize. Did you? I felt like I should be cut off at that. Point. <laughs> that was probably no, about right. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, you okay. cut me off right when I should have stopped. Uh, <laughs> but I'll I'll go beyond that because I don't have better sense. Um, I can only say that my, I get, let me bring it back to me because I think that's less obnoxious and probably more true. My experience is that um, once I started looking for the ultimate answers and turned away from um, just intellectual ideas of what the world is um, and started exploring more in an experiential way and less in a, in a verbal cognitive way, what I thought the truth was. Um, it started to open up a little bit. So um, psychedelics are a spiritual practice. And so is, so are all the many of the forms of meditation. Um, so is fasting and um, mm -hmm. other spiritual ideas of, you know, uh, part of the monastic life that I certainly couldn't do. Um, but I think that we have stopped being deferential to people who have sought that life in order to discover um, truths of the universe. And we have said, let's put all our eggs in the Western science basket. 
Like if you can't show it scientifically, materially, we don't believe it. I kind of, I kind of think the two things are true. If you, if you live your life in a way where you are trying to find out um, universal truths, like, you know, is love fundamental? That's a, that's a real good question. Like, or is it just something that we like to think is a nice thing? Right. Mm. Um, or uh, is mind fundamental? Um, then if you live that way, you'll encounter evidence as an individual that the other people who have lived that way have encountered. And then you can check it against the science. Like if science says, you know, what you're postulating, um, we can say is not true because X, Y, and Z, I'm willing to go back and say, yeah, I think, I think that's just an individual thing. I don't think I'm right. Interesting. Um, so there's a, um, there's a lot there. Yeah, there's too much there. And there's a, yeah. there's a guy who explores it really well. So I want to talk about him a little bit. Okay. Uh, and poorly. I'll talk about him poorly. Because <laughs> hey. I'm not I'm not doing his not doing his theory justice, but I pulled out this book. So stop prequilling that man. Just like say your piece. Uh, well, I, I feel I got to tell you, uh, Caleb, I feel a little out of my depth. And I think that that's the right place to be right now. Yes. But um, <laughs> so there's a guy named Bernardo Castrop, and he's got this book, The Idea of the World. It's subtitled The Multidisciplinary Argument for the Mental Nature of Reality. Ooh. And what this book is, is um, uh, his publications, his scientific publications as chapters um, for a, an evidence-based uh, uh, compilation that supports his theory that mind creates our world, that the world is, uh, I, guess, I guess the way to, to talk about it best it, it, within my understanding is that there is one mind, which is the universe. And we are all um, dissociated pieces of it. Um, so, you know, it, it splits into billions of consciousnesses mm. uh, among the animals and humans and maybe even things. So is the, universe, is the universe the higher power or is that a, like a, um, I don't know, a, a fruit of the higher power? In his, in his idea, mind is everything. Or I, I would think, I think he would say that. I don't know. Get him on, get him on your podcast. There you go. <laughs> we need to hear from this guy. Okay. What's but, his name again? He's got a lot to say. <laughs> his name, his name is Bernardo Castro. And um, some notes down. Hang on. <laughs> the, the, the really fascinating thing about this book is it's readable. Uh, so mm. he takes, he takes science from quantum mechanics and neuroscience and psychology even psychology uh, and <laughs> um, and pulls it all together um, as evidence to support his theory that everything is mind hmm. from a different direction. The psychedelic movement, or at least a lot of people who take psychedelics come to the conclusion that everything is mind, that there's a cosmic consciousness, that there's one consciousness spread among us um, that we feel separate from but that's an illusion of our particular um, situation of our verbal. That's interesting. Okay. So could it be, I'm going to throw another just random idea out there. It's not really random, but could that be that, that collective mind, that unifying factor that unifies everybody that you can only be connected based on your mindset. 
Could that be the Holy Spirit? I think of it that way. Mm. I mean, I guess that's consistent. I haven't put it in those terms in my mind, but I, now that you say it, um, that I think that's consistent with what I believe. Is and of course, though, as, as soon as you say Holy Spirit, there will be a percentage of the population yep. that's like, I'm out. Yep, I'm out because exactly. you got religious on me, right? Exactly. Right? Because it's the words. But I know because you and I have been talking, I know where you're coming from. We can have this conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really, it's interesting that everybody believes that there's something or not everybody. Okay. So like you're saying, the majority of the population and in this guy's book, that there is some sort of collective consciousness. consciousness. There's a guy. Um, he's got this, uh, this page I follow on YouTube, on Instagram and TikTok called mind hacking happiness. And he uh -huh. references, um, the local consciousness a lot and everything oh, he says, like, and he, like, he's, he's a smart dude. He, he used to work as a contractor, I think for the CIA working on like precognition and uh -huh. defining what, these Oh, that's interesting. Are. Yes. Yeah. They had a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> they were very, they were very serious about it. They weren't yeah, thinking it was flaky. Exactly. And there's there's uh, like the gateway experience and the, the CIA documents talks about precognition and telepathy that they actually able to prove that it exists. These are government documents out there mm -hmm. that were yeah. declassified. It's called the gateway experience. If you ever get a chance, look it up. Um, I will. But it's semantics. Like it's yes. how you word things based on who you're talking to. And we're all yeah. trying to communicate the same ideas. Like what if, like for instance, the, uh, the Neuralink, right? Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. The whole point or one of the big main points for the Neuralink is you'll be able to just communicate ideas without there being any type of intrusion of different uh, misconceptions of communication. So uh, like if I'm so this idea that we're talking about, we'll just be able to know exactly what we're talking about without saying words and there will be no type of miscommunication occurring. And I feel which like is something that. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was, I was saying I think that's the issue here is that everybody's talking about the same idea for the most part. Yeah. Um, but it's how you define it. Um, now, granted, there are subpopulation groups that kind of go off on some crazy ideas that may not be true, but it's their idea. It's their um, interpretation of the evidence given their yeah. subjective experiences. Um, so I'm, I'm just kind of curious, like, because what this guy, Dr. Castro, um, he's referencing things that typical people in, the, in these like religious communicate communities like you and I have grew up in it's like we yeah. can understand what he's talking about he's just saying it in different words yeah i think i think that's about right and of course all of the things that go along with the religious experience that's what turns people on or off and it's yep. uh maybe unnecessary let me uh let me give you a, an example here i'll be right back okay so uh I was part of a ketamine training experience where we learned how to um, do ketamine assisted psychotherapy, which is, Ooh. it's not just, uh, you know, it's high, high dose ketamine special K um, following, uh, following a great deal of um, screening for safety and preparation. And, um, and then followed by a lot of integration of that experience. And so I got my shot and I, started my journey and I saw something like this, very much like this. Uh, sorry, there we go. It's a, it's a Mesoamerican mandala, right? Hmm. Now I have no, um, remem I don't remember ever 
coming into contact with that image. Wait, so and you, you took a shot and then you looked at that image? I took a shot. I had my eyes closed. You put when you do this, you have shades on, so you can't see anything except that you're you've got visions. And uh, while I'm lying there listening to music in a room full of ten people, um, these are the images that are passing through my mind, um, letting me know, along with some other things, that that stuff's that stuff's accessible uh, and part of our broader experience. But I, as an individual. I've never experienced it. I've never seen that image. So all it took was a Google search later on to find out what I needed to see because I knew it was sort of uh, Mesoamerican mandala, and there it was. I mean, I'm trying, like, I'm trying to, to structure the image on what what's happening here. So you're in a room full of ten people. You're part of an experiment involving Special K. You take yeah. Special K. That's awesome. <laughs> um, you take Special <laughs> K, and what, you've never seen this image before, and it just pops into your mind. Right. And then it's one, app, of, one of many that popped into my mind. And, okay. You and know, once you're done, you look up this image and this is what you find. That's what I found. Yeah. I was like, there it is. That's what I saw. Whoa. So this, this is the stuff. Um, and a lot, a lot more happened that's uh, personal, but um, that is similarly, it just convinced me that, you know, mind at large or cosmic consciousness or universal consciousness we have that it's all there it's available to us under the right circumstances and it goes beyond the individual um uh and so that goes along with i mean castrop's idea is that there is cosmic consciousness and then the way that think of multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder as it's now called right you got the one one mind that's been split into several alters and each may or may not know what's going with the, on with the other altar. You know, there's like Fred and Diane mm -hmm. and whoever. Uh, but um, that is essentially, according to Castrop's theory, that's what we are. We are one mind split into billions of altars. Hmm. And so with people with that type of disorder, how would you explain what they're going through? with what we're talking about that you may not be able to explain it in the academic world. You know right. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Could multiple personality disorder be, uh, from relig our religious background, you can say, okay, that's maybe that's just different types of spirits. Maybe they got into some sort of dimension that they're not, that the human will is not supposed to be in. Um, how would you explain that from that, from this perspective? Whoa. How yeah. I explain? Yeah, <laughs> I know I, how I would explain it from a psychology perspective, but I don't think I've tried to put the two together quite. Me too. But if we're yeah, taking yeah, the right. framework that everything is connected, then there has to be some sort of ideal here. Yes, I think. Well, I think everything is connected in the sense that uh, when you sit in a room with other people, you're taking in their bacteria and their, you know, through through your skin, you're breathing in the room. Well, again, um, and you're also emitting. You know, in the other direction, right? So vibrations uh, have a big, like when you, when you can vibe, vibrate. you know, like when you walk in with somebody, you start, you just start meeting them. Like you click, like you and I clicked immediately. We had good vibes, yeah. right? Um, yeah. That there's a guy I'm having on, on Thursday and uh, that'll, it'll publish in about a month. His name is Tam Hunt. He's a university professor at the Southern uh, University of Southern California. And he has something called the vibrational resonance theory talking about this very thing. Oh. Why do you vibe with somebody and, and vibe? I'm very interested in the show. 
Yeah. I'd like to promote your next show. <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. Um, it's got, it, as I take a break from this topic, it's interesting how um, like these type of topics and what we're talking about now isn't very popular because nobody wants to dive deep into these hard no. topics. I'm realizing No, and that. in fact, in fact, since I started talking like this, I've had people that I'm good friends with just tune out. Like, they're like, oh man, I don't want to hear from this guy. He's gone a bit wacky, but um, that's wild. It makes sense. Like it's so far afield from our materialistic world. So you're talking about energy basically with this guy. Well, yeah. But when you think about it, that's the very foundation of how atoms work. So how is that a weird concept? Like atoms vibrate next to each other. Like that's how it works. Like you have a, uh, the typical human brain has a a range of vibrational frequencies from four Hertz all the way to 30. And mm-hmm. those hurts affect mental health. So how is this like? And, how is this an issue? <laughs> what? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. But people haven't caught up. Like, uh, there are a lot of physicists who will tell you there's no, there is no matter. Materialism is false because there is no matter. It's what? just energy at different vibratory frequencies, and then our consciousness either can or cannot recognize it as solid or recognize it at all. So. So every, all matter is just energy at a certain frequency. Huh. I guess. I don't know. That's what I'm reading. <laughs> I'm saying, you got to ask this guy. So that's actually uh, diving into some of Newton's, like breaking some of Newton's laws, isn't it? Like uh, matter what, what can would that be, be break? Is it, is it matter can neither be created nor destroyed? So if there's no matter, how, how is that even a thing? Well, if it doesn't exist, then we shouldn't be putting it in laws. <laughs> so maybe, maybe the, maybe the, maybe the idea is that, um, because so there is a phenomenon and then there's our conscious interaction with that phenomenon. So okay. if energy is vibrating at a certain frequency, we'll recognize it as solid or something. Again, it goes but, back to definition and semantics. Yes. Yes. And you, you and I both know nothing solid. Hmm. There's nothing like if you look at it at the right level of reductionism, You'll see a bunch of space between the atoms, right? So why do we recognize it as solid? Well, it's an interaction between our ability to recognize things or our perceptions and the vibratory frequency of that energy. Which perception is reality. It's exactly what we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's mine, right? So so it's no um, surprise that matter can be neither created nor destroyed because energy can be neither created nor destroyed and they're the same thing. Huh. Huh. But all this, this is so I, fascinating. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I may be full of shit. So I think that uh, continue, continue watching this podcast to find out, but this is how I approach it, right? Like, Same. I'm like, okay, this is my understanding as of today. And if somebody comes in and presents something that is empirical and goes against that, I'm totally willing to say, um, yeah, maybe the psychologist didn't know what he was talking about when he talked about physics. <laughs> so, no, that's a very interesting idea. And I think we may have spoken of this on last podcast because uh, I bring it up and ask these questions to people who open the door. You just open the door. You know, mm-hmm. you're willing to ask these questions. You are willing to challenge your own opinions and own assumptions about the entire scientific world to reflect what could actually be true. I that, hope so. Yeah, well, I. I mean, I've met, I mean, I'm trying to be, that's my, yeah, I've met people uh, on both sides um, yeah. at the tops of their fields and they refuse to question whether it be a medicinal policy, a medicine prescriptions, you know, why would we, why do we prescribe like SSRIs like the, in the way that we have today um, yeah. in the way that we do it. And they refuse to challenge 
the going research because, you know, there's 20 years of research behind it. Well, that, that's not necessarily I, the solution. Uh, I've so, been super fortunate. Like I was an arrogant scientist and I, I say this um, frequently to a friend of mine who used to talk about all kinds of spiritual concepts that I would just sort of like blow off and um, explain why they couldn't be true. And then um, when I experienced things that I couldn't explain in that realm, suddenly I was like, uh, I have to trust my own experience. I can't find a reason to invalidate it. So as that continues to unfold and I, all these people who have seen, for example, Bigfoot, um, they will tell you uh, a lot of the time, you know, I'm not, I don't believe something unless I see it. Now I've seen it. Um, it's really hard not to believe it. Mm. And so transferring that information to another person is very difficult because people make assumptions about what can and can't be true. Because and it goes I had back my mind to, blown enough. It goes back yeah. to the subjective experience. The subjective yeah. experience we tend to throw out um, in so yes. many different fields. But there's actually a lot to be said, especially, especially when we're talking about the mind, spirituality, dimensions. Like, there's something yeah. to be said about that. If our consciousness is an integral part of these experiences, then it doesn't, it's not surprising that we can't like recreate this stuff in a lab. It's, it, it requires certain situations where people are and they have these experiences. And then if you talk to different people, it's the same experience. And if you throw out anybody questionable, you still have a bunch of experiences that suggest that UFOs are a thing. Uh, yeah. Cryptids are a thing. And Hauntings there's a trend. Are a thing. You know, the, the, yeah. uh, the scientific model is, is it repeatable? Um, can you test it under different circumstances and different environments? And is, are those same results repeatable? Right. And we're seeing that with a lot of things um, that are kind of out there like aliens or yes. interdimensional yeah. beings or whatever. People are having very, very, very similar repeatable conclusions to um, scientific inquiries, we'll call it, mm-hmm. um, that make no sense. But everybody's totally. from different worlds are saying the same thing. And they and they have been all along. And I think that um, part of, you know, we've discarded that um, in order to get rid of, I mean, colonialism certainly helped with our discarding of, uh, years and years of knowledge, right? Like we, like, um, How so? Europeans came in and, uh, the people who had been, um, working with entities and, uh, spiritual constructs. Oh, um, like, uh, for like hundreds and thousands Iowa of years yeah. and things like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. Like, you know, they came in and they started killing people for engaging in those practices. So, uh, great that we've, move the needle on getting into space, but not so good that we've moved the needle the wrong way in uh, how to live on this planet. Hmm. And so I think we didn't do ourselves any, um, we did ourselves a disservice by, uh, and I, I say we, but I, you know, I guess I'm European, you know, <laughs> so I, I guess it's we, but um, back to your point. Now, if somebody has the conscious experience of an alien abduction, for instance, they are often put into a category of crazy, psychotic, right? Or um, vaccine. If you're talking about the vaccine and COVID. Today, or vaccine. Right. That's another right. word. <laughs> right. Well, that, and, and so this is the stuff, like if you, if you categorize somebody that way, uh, you can dismiss what they have to say. 
But if you really look at the evidence, if you look at what people have said about their experiences, um, which are which are not objective, they're not the kind of evidence that people are looking for sometimes, you know, they want objective, verifiable evidence. Yeah. But they're also not loony because if you spend time looking at like I researched psychopathy. So one of my jobs was to figure out when people are lying and I'm, I can do it sometimes. Right. (laughs) But, but, but you don't, you don't have a bunch of people talking about their UFO experiences in the same way because they're trying to get, uh, because they're psychotic or they're trying to get attention or whatever. These people Mm. often don't want to talk. Yeah. They're talking about, having the same experience with all these features that are similar across cultures since, you know, biblical times. Um, and then we are arrogant enough to say, no, that wasn't your experience. You're well, just it making seem, a mistake. It seems too that that was the first seed of the cancel culture. You know, whenever you start mm-hmm. talking about cancel culture today, I mean, you can get canceled for anything. I get canceled. You can get canceled today just for talking about and asking these same questions. Um, but it seems like then that was the beginning of cancel culture, at least from what I can tell where you start talking about aliens and UFOs and then you immediately like lose everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we're, you know, we, we try to work efficiently. So, you know, if you would ask me six years ago about this stuff, I would have said, um, that's not true. It's not consistent with anything I've ever experienced and I can't find any objective evidence for it. So I can just eliminate that and move along with the stuff. That's not crazy. Yeah. Fortunately, but- if you dive into it in a serious way, which many of these scientists don't, mm-hmm. like if you try to find the evidence for it in the same way you're trying to find the evidence against it, you'll find it. It's there. Well, it's, it's it's absolutely true because I've dove into dove. In, is that a word? Dove I like it. Dive. I like it. I've done, done, done did dive. Making words. <laughs> you done, I done did dive into, into these topics in two different times of my life. One as a pretty. Uh, hardcore fundamentalist Christian, and then one as somebody who had questioned everything. Mm-hmm. And the conclusions I've, I drew from both those were vastly different on opposite sides. So the open-mindedness thing, it seems to be the, the trait that uh, really allows people to successfully question today's world. Um, yes. And that goes back to worldview. You know, how do we construct our worldview? Is it through science? Is it through religion? Is it through both? And then what will destroy that worldview is what becomes a threat and things that we don't like to jump into. Anything that threatens our worldview is automatically an enemy. So I guess the question is, how do we have, how do we build a worldview in our own work, in our own life that allows for asking these questions in a healthy way? That's a really good question. So part, part of my, um, getting there is white privilege. I mean, I had the opportunity to make mistakes over and over again. And it was like, okay, no problem. Just, you know, keep moving on. Uh, If you're looking for food, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you start in a situation that's really difficult, um, you may not have the space for this kind of stuff. And it's certainly understandable. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, yeah. right? Like, yeah. you know, we're talking about really high level stuff that a lot of people be like, Oh, whatever. I'm just <laughs> trying to, you know, and I get that. Um, what was that? Uh, oh, the North Korean yeah. lady on, on, uh, gosh, on Joe Rogan's podcast. I'll listen to her cause I, I'm fascinated with North Korea and the way they live. Yeah. Me too. Um, 
well, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, because you don't like it's just a completely like no information. Yeah, so you absolutely. can develop any kind of. And so when idea. I heard her, I forgot Asiomi, I think is her name. Um, whenever she came on to Joe Rogan's podcast and explained her life and he started asking questions and she just like, she goes, it really doesn't matter. Everything you're asking me, it really doesn't matter because we were just looking forward to the next meal. Um, you yes. don't worry about yeah. education or you don't worry about, you know, even the country's problems whenever you don't have a full belly, you know, yeah. there, there are so many totally things you can deal with and ask questions about if your belly is full, <laughs> yep. and it, it brings back into perspective, like how full I am all the time. You know? Yeah, it's really, it's really, and so, um, you know, I talk about curiosity and awe and wonder, but gratitude is another piece of that, right? So we get the opportunity to be grateful. And um, I'm also, I'm also aware that many people who have next to nothing are very grateful people. And, and that tends to make them relatively happy people. Yeah. Um, and like, but yeah, to be able to ask these questions is, is, uh, it's a privilege, I think. Um that yeah, not, not everybody has. And, you know, I was 18 when I first became an EMT, got married pretty young at 20, had our first kid at 21 or 22. Wow. Um, I'm 27 now and we have two kids and, you know, we, we've, I went from making, you know, $25,000 with a family of, of three and four, um, mm -hmm. barely scraping by. Yeah. Barely, we were, we were poor. We we're, you know, poverty. Yeah. They don't poor. pay EMTs anything. Do no, they? Oh, no, no, it's no, pretty, no. Yeah. Yeah. You got to love it or, yeah. you know, it, it's it's pretty insane, you know. It's, uh, one of the medics I used to work with uh, left his job as a primary medic to go become a McDonald's store manager because he made more money. And, yeah. Oh wow. And he, you know, That's... his typical shift, he was he was working you know sixty seventy hours a week, which is a typical to make money to make you know fifty sixty k. And that's making money, by the way. Fifty sixty k is making money in the in the business. Yeah. Um, to make that type of money, you'd have to work sixty seventy hours a week. Oh god. Um, and coming from that and, you know, you're not having a whole lot of not being rich. We're rich in the things that matter. Uh, growing up is what, you know, we were always mm -hmm. taught, which is good. It, it yeah. did breed gratefulness and yeah. coming from not much to, you know, going out on my own, not having a lot, starting a family pretty poor um, and then slowly working my way up, you know, to making OK, like middle class income now. Yeah, uh, we can make that dollar stretch and we can realize how good we have it based on how good we didn't have it back then. So gratitude is, a, you, I'm so glad you brought that up too, because there is tons of research articles on how gratitude affects the psyche and how it affects oh. your mind. Um, and from, there was this one, I think it's a meta analysis and it boiled down to one word on how well your quality of life can be changed in a, in a good way. And it's based on gratitude. You know, waking up and saying, oh, today's going to be a good day. And then, you yeah. know, you starting your day off like that. And then like th this morning I, I woke up, I was like, oh, I don't want to get up. You know, it's 730. <laughs> and I started, I started running through, man, no, I have two beautiful kids. Thank you for this day. Um, yeah. A beautiful home, a wonderful backyard. And that's how I started my day off. And it's changed. Like it's already, I can feel it opposed to the days that I don't do that. And there's a massive difference. So gratitude is huge. Yes. Absolutely. And no matter what situation you're in, right? Like, you know, if you if you're going through a huge loss or something and somebody is there to to uh, console you, I mean, you can be grateful for that. You can always be grateful. And so, um, uh, you know, with the recognition and sensitivity that a lot of people don't have a lot of things 
or a lot of people in their lives. Um, and that's something, you know, maybe the West or America in particular needs to do a little better oh, yeah. at uh, fostering, but we, we can all be grateful. Um, and even I'm not always good at it. Like I, there are some days when I'm just like, you know, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Um, but I always, you know, I try to try to recognize the ways um, that gratitude is, is going to help me through the day. And so. It's practical. Yeah. It's, that's one of those, okay, what can I do? I want to, for me, it's how do I know practically, you know, what can I do to make my life better? I don't want to yeah. just have some ethereal idea. No, like gratitude, just be grateful, but it's hard Very to be grateful practical. when you don't have perspective and mm. you can't gain perspective if you don't learn. And if you refuse to learn, yes. then you're just kind of stuck in a hole. Like you're just never, you're not going to have a good quality of life. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I think, I think that I, you know, I had been stuck in a hole for a while after I, was an atheist after I had been a. <laughs> yeah, what brought you Christian out of that? By the way, I, I meant to ask that before. What brought you out of that? Uh, realizing everything I didn't know. It took a little humility, um, and just being. I mean, the first thing was like, okay, what god am I dismissing? And I'm like, I guess all of them. If I'm an atheist, but yet there is this sort of one energy uh, that you might be able to call God. So, does atheist really describe? the way I think. And I decided it didn't. Um, and then, uh, since then I've just experienced enough oddness, the stranger things get the less, I think like somebody who's, um, who's living in a random meaningless world where yeah. we're just a byproduct of some process that we don't matter to. Yeah. And that's, you know, when you read Castrop and you read these ideas about consciousness being, uh, fundamental a, a uh, um and in it's a non-divisible part of our reality um it just is something that impacts everything else um you begin to think of yourself as on one hand not super important as a person uh and on Which the other actually hand really vital good. yes like they're both good yeah like yeah being having that that wonderful role and purpose in your life is amazing um, but the way you just worded that was really cool because knowing that you're not all that takes a lot of pressure off of you. Like it takes a mm -hmm. whole lot of, uh, stress off your life. Uh, just having I have a, that realization. I have a friend, uh, oh, you've, you've spoken with him, so, but I don't want to, I don't want to put stuff out there and attribute it to him, uh, who said, Mark, I used to walk around with one piece of paper in my left pocket said, uh, I am dust and ash. And in the other pocket, I had a piece of paper that said the world was made for me. And that's sort mm -hmm. of the, the dialectic there. That's the, those are the poles that we need to find some sort of meaning in the middle of. Um, we are everything and we're nothing at the same mm -hmm. time. And if that sounds like some philosophical drivel, it probably is, but I, I think there's a truth to it, you know? Well, the mental health, if you, if you understand um, the true purposes behind, you know, the higher power um, that like, like I believe that I have been called according to a purpose. Right. Um, yeah. And like, what, and oh man, getting, people hate that. Oh dude, I know. If, especially people who have had problems with religion, right? Like they, oh, yep. uh, but I appreciate you saying that because I, I feel like I have too, and I'm afraid to say it a lot of the time. Because people hate it so and much. And I've been really trying to. So there's a movement going on right now. And so I, I got to talk about. I got to get my mom on this podcast because <laughs> my mom is phenomenal. So um, 
I need kinda, to talk to your mom. Yeah. Um, uh, the three of us would be really cool, actually. Like, have a, uh, a three, uh, three way podcast. Maybe, I'm curious. Awesome. Um, she's I, so let me back up. I've been deconstructing Christianity for a while. Um, asking these questions, you know, okay, I know there's a God. I feel like Jesus is the son of God. Um, he's personified love. Uh, he fulfilled all the requirements that I don't have to. Um, and then as, as I start seeing all these arguments pop up about religion and Christianity and the frustration with the church, a lot of them I agree with. Um, and that's, what's, that's, what's hard. And these topics, as we deconstruct and reconstruct what we know about truth is something that a lot of people are afraid to do for one. Um, cause as soon as you start talking about Christianity religion, you kind of do get canceled. Like, like kind of what you're dealing well, with. Well, you, you bring in a lot of ideas that mean really negative things to people from their personal experience. Yep. You know, and that's right? that, like, like, why is it negative? It. Is yeah. it a, that's the question I'm asking. Is it negative because mm. of the human condition or is mm. it negative because what we know about God is wrong? And I think it's the first, I think humanity yeah. has misinterpreted a lot of what we know as the higher power uh, was meant to do. And the church was there, is there to quote unquote, give community and interpret, help interpret what we know of the higher power. Mm -hmm. And that again, communication, that talking between the higher power and humanity is where everything gets fucked up. Well, but now, so now you're saying the higher power. And so when you do that, you eliminate some of the, some of the um, complaints about Jesus, right? Because why but, is that higher power better than a different higher power, right? And so that's, so, that's a very good question. And yeah, I don't I, think it is. I don't think it's any different. Oh, see, I, I think we're I talking do. about the same thing. I okay, do. Though. There we go. So it's we interesting. Found a point of disagreement. Thank God. <laughs> this was getting this was getting way too like too easy. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm happy to attack Jesus. Let's go. Oh, let's go. All right. <laughs> Put that. Um, that's the quote for this podcast. Let's attack Jesus. Okay, I got you. <laughs> Uh, but I, I was in that same spot too, where I was like, if there's a God, then why is the Christianity that I knew to be true? The only one that's supposed to have worked. Um, and it goes back to love. Every religion that I've studied, uh, has a set of requirements for you to earn the love of whoever higher, whatever higher power it is, whether it's uh, Allah or Buddha or whatever it is, mm. except Christianity, the true Christianity. Uh, the church that we know today, both fundamentalists and Protestants, tell you you have to do these things to be in right standing with God. And that's not the case. The yeah. true of what we, what we, the scripture has actually taught us and what we know is that Jesus um, was personified God. He put limits on himself to be God in human form. And then he fulfilled every requirement known to man to be in right standing with God. And that's the, what for me, that's like the nail in the coffin, so to speak on why I think Jesus um, is the best way forward in this, in the cog in this machine. And I can't get past that. So I'm willing to hear, you know, what your thoughts on it. Cause it seems like we've been asking the same yeah. questions. So I, I do, you know, I, I have a lot in common with your, belief system in terms of love and the ultimate love and the, the the sort of requirements necessary to 
experience that and be part of that. Um, I think where I differ with you is the uh, label. So, I mean, there's a lot about Jesus we don't know. And there's a lot about Jesus that may be made up. I mean, there's a history of scribes um, writing in new stuff along the way. And but I, I don't, I can't get into Yeah. I can't get into that because I don't know anything about it. But what I do know is that um, somebody born in a, a country where Jesus is not the central love uh, symbol shouldn't be at a disadvantage. You know? What do you mean? It should be. Um, I think that it's so difficult. It's it's just statistically much more difficult for somebody in a uh, well, North Korea is a good example to find Jesus uh, than it is for somebody in the United States. So I think oh, that there are okay. probably there are probably a lot of um, I think that saints are alive today um, who are um, love personified. Uh, there are people walking the earth who can do interesting things and, uh, and are cleaner, um, spiritually than most people. And I think Jesus was a good example, maybe of one of those people, if the, if the, you know, the way we think of him is correct, but I just think that, um, he's an archetype of sorts. Like he's a, he's a symbol of something that, um, we can all strive for. Um, and so I guess that's the part of my upbringing that I left behind was this, um, sort of a Jesus centric focus and went into more of, um, more of a, just, uh, what do you, what do you need to do if you want to be a good person and explore these spiritual realms and who is, who, who is your if you if you want to have a um, guru or a, or a savior or um, if that's part of how you see it going, um, pick somebody who who's like Jesus, really. Mm. Uh, but, but I think there are more of him is what I mean. Well, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so what I did was if and I asked that same, those same questions you did as well, of course, we have very similar minds. Um, yeah. but in my equation, in my brain, I took out the factor of Jesus. I was like, okay, what if Jesus never walked the earth? Um, and there was all these other gurus that you're talking about, you know, different apostles or different yeah. saints and you know, what would change? Um, a lot, uh, first off in my opinion, uh, but you brought up the idea of being a good person. Um, mm. you know, good people can follow these type of saints and apostles, and still have a terrible quality of life, like suicidal, like bad. Cause that's kind of was, mm. that's where I was at. Absolutely. I was a very good person. I, I, I followed the 10 commandments to the letter. Um, and it still wasn't enough because I would catch myself thinking about something terrible or, you know, Oh yeah. Or, Being a good person won't get you there. Exactly. I, I totally agree. I think it's something to do. I think it's part of the equation, but I totally, uh, I see. And I don't think it is something to do. I think the mm. best way to be a good person is to release your good behavior. And so what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, let release me, let me, let me follow up yeah. with that one. Um, I had to like the whole idea of dying to yourself. Okay. We're about to get deep here throughout yeah. scripture. Um, whether it's the Bible, I think and even, even in the Quran, um, there's all about how do you die to yourself? Uh, Buddha talks yeah. a lot about this in the Eastern religions, you know, forsake yourself. And, uh, 
Oh gosh, that's gonna be. No, I the, keep going. This makes sense. Um, um, I'm just trying to like. It's been a while since I've talked about this. Yeah. You know, we talk about vision a lot. Uh, every religion talks about vision and how your eyes, like perception, perception is your reality. I got so good at being good that it became exhausting. Uh, yeah. To a depressive point. And I read a book. By and you can look at your behavior and you can like praise yourself. At least yeah, I'm absolutely. a good person. I'm miserable, but I'm yeah. a good person. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, I, my actions yeah. were phenomenal. You know, I was a worship yeah. leader. My dad's the pastor, yeah. uh, a whole bunch of just, it was great. Um, until you do that for a few years and you just become like, just done. You're just exhausted. Yeah. And I read this book by a guy named Ted Decker. Um, he's a novelist, uh, fiction, I think it's, yeah, fiction is fake. Yeah. <laughs> fiction. <laughs> and, uh, he writes this, this amazing story uh, around Mary, uh, but not Jesus' mother, the other Mary, the prostitute Mary. And it's all oh, about yeah. how, uh, vision affects how you even see Jesus. Um, to be able to see rightly, you have to die. You have to kill your ideas of how you see. So like, I always go back to the idea of my wife. Um, mm -hmm. I can look at my wife and do all these amazing things for her. Um, I can love her in the best way I know that Caleb knows how, but that's not enough. If I really wanted to love her the way that she's meant to be loved, I have to actually like kill my inner desires of how I see love. I have to like forsake my yeah. love. Um, but to do that, to, to be able to see and love her in the way that I'm supposed to be loving her, I have to kill my desires. And the only way to kill your desires is to see with new eyes. But the only way to see with new eyes is to understand where Jesus came from and that it, there is no set requirement to see. He just gives it freely. And that's, that's how I see Jesus. Like Jesus is different than all the other people, all the other apostles, mm -hmm. all the other saints, because he gave us the ability to see without requirement. And everybody else from the research I've done has these, yeah, you do, you do this, you do this, you do this. Jesus kind of made it simple. He's like, Hey bro, just, just kind of love, like stop being a dumb love and see. <laughs> Yeah. 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 And just do it. Well, well, I think, um, uh, my sense is that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on board with that uh, until you get to the point where it's just Jesus, because Buddhism, you're talking about the Buddhist idea of emptiness. Mm -hmm. You're talking about dying to self, um, um, being nothing and seeing what is without that um, getting in the way. Mm -hmm. And the Buddhists were never, um, they were never like, Hey, you got to do X, Y, and Z. They were like, you might have to do some focus work. You might have to like get rid of these, all these thoughts that are going through your mind. And, um, but they were like, it's there, it's there for you. It's been, you know, whatever the method was, whether Jesus died for your sins or whether there's just a grace, a fundamental grace to our situation and God has put it there or not God, we could call it the energy that sparked, uh, or <laughs> was always, I don't care what we call yeah. it at that point. Cause I don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but, um, but I just see it as a, it, it is a broader thing that has been embraced by a lot of religions. And so it's at the point where you say, Jesus is the one way. And I know that's a big point. I'm, I, ha I had that drilled into my head, but I've, I've, uh, I think that, if we replace the word Jesus with uh, something else, it's still, there's still a grace 
there's still a fundamental um, positivity to our human predicament that we can tap into that doesn't doesn't revolve around our good works. It's just, you know, a little bit of effort, I guess. So you think that a lot of other religions do have a tenet in their philosophy that says you don't have to earn the power of God or the love of God? I'm afraid to say a lot. My, my guess would be that all of them do and that it's a matter of like how hardcore fundamentalist are you on the earning in, within that religion, right? Like, yeah. cause we're talking about liberal Jesus stuff. This is a liberal Jesus. The when Jesus you say liberal, that, what do you like? What, exactly. What are you meaning? Uh, love and feed your neighbors and, you know, be good to people, but also you didn't have to do anything. I loved you before you were, yes. you know, yeah. and all that. That's the kind of Jesus that um, is rejected by QAnon or something. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know, uh, you, you guys are uh, all evil unless you do X, Y, or Z. And that's, yeah. neither of us is believing in that. No. Um, and I think that most religions, and that's a stretch. So I'll say some that I know of Buddhism in particular, are much more um, focused on the grace involved in our situation where if you, you know, seek and you, you should find, um, I think is something that um, applies to Buddhism as much as it does Christianity mm. or. Interesting. I'll have to look uh, more into that. Cause I remember, cause that was, that was one of the like fork in the roads for me. Um, and when I, when I was studying all this, you know, I couldn't find the same message. I, I saw similar tenants, like, you know, these type of, the, the idea of emptiness, emptying yourself to be yeah. able to enact uh, was a big part of Buddhism. Uh, but it wasn't the foundation. I saw it as a tenant and I saw a lot of these, other, but also haven't studied it as extensively as I have, you know. Uh, That's the thing too, is we've got, we've got all this skewed information so we can all be forgiven for thinking Christianity is one thing because we've got tons of information on it. Uh, which might be biased, but yeah. we also have so little information on the other. So you have to go yeah. down all the rabbit holes. You know who um, really gave me a sense for it was uh, Ram Dass was, you know, one of the Richard Alpert was one of the psychedelic early folks who did uh, research with Tim Leary. And um, after he was done with psychedelics, he went off to India and uh, found his guru. Right. Mm. And um if you look at what's been written about Neem Karoli Baba, uh, um, this guy was basically a Jesus, right? He, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, executed. Um, so that's a big difference, but, uh, but he was basically, you know, just a saint who um, didn't expect anything of people except to love. And I think that there are probably a lot of those, but I wonder what, what kind of twist there is on the information you and I get maybe in this, you know, in our, and that's, and that's like, there's so much of it. There's so much information regarding all this yeah. stuff. And that's where I had to boil it down to what's the most, what do I believe? Like, what do I know to yeah. be true? And it was back to what I said before, objective morality, that there is a God and that it has to do with love. And the one thing that I know to be most true is that Jesus was personified love. And it gave me the most peace knowing that I don't have to earn his favor. Yeah. I don't have to earn God's favor. Like I'm just, I'm like already a king, right? <laughs> it's there. Yeah. You've, you, the grace is there. Yeah. Um, I want to hear, I'm, I'm pretty much out of time, but I actually yeah. want to hear more about this objective reality. Okay. Uh, well, sorry, the time. way I said it, it sounds like subjective, but objective reality. I would like to talk about that because I think that's a true thing. And I, um, and I don't know how to talk about it very well, but it sounds like you have 
talked about it a bit more. So well, I'm let's uh, let's let's schedule. I'll email you again let's and we'll schedule it. another one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. So uh, too, you got me hooked. Yeah, All right, bro. Yeah. Have a good day. All right. Take care, Caleb. Bye.